I'm Alex Wong, and the Wong Takes start now. Yup. It is Tuesday, September 24th, 2019, and this is the Wong Takes. We had an exciting weekend this last week. If college football wasn't here before, it is definitely here now. We've got a lot of good stuff uh, coming up on the podcast today. Of course, uh, don't forget, check out my new podcast, uh, Unranked and Unfiltered, The Real Students of Berkeley, featuring various people from around campus. Uh, So far, we've had, I think, three different people on. I'm planning to get an episode up, if not today, tomorrow, or Thursday. Uh, But... You should all check it out. It is very fun and interesting and opens up to our lives a little bit. But anyway, that's enough plugging. Uh, you are here to listen to Sports Takes. So uh, we are going to, as usual, as we've been doing in this little second incarnation uh, of the podcast, going to talk about football mostly. And we're going to start out with college football. So this was a fun weekend for many reasons, but one... Uh, college football week four, was that we got to see so much Pac-12 craziness. Uh, Pac-12 after dark was in full effect. Uh, We're going to talk about those in a little bit, but first, the local hour, of course. Uh, Cal football, 23rd ranked in the country, defeated Ole Miss 28-20. to Holy crap, man. Cal just keeps on winning. Uh, This was a... I guess you could call it a squeaker. It got a little little dicey there at the end. But hey, this Cal team, their defense, I you keep I keep talking about this, but it's that mentality of bend but don't break. Ole Miss drove multiple times in this game, but they attempted four field goals and it's as a defense, it's so much more of a morale boost if after a long drive you only give up three points instead of seven. Uh, And that's what Cal's defense did a lot here. Also, that last goal line stand, while it was poor clock management by Ole Miss, you know, not uh, managing the timeouts well uh, and not getting down out of bounds, still, uh, to to limit that team from the one-yard line and Evan Weaver coming up with the big play to save the win for the Bears... Uh, was massive uh, for this team. And it just signifies how this is a scrappy team uh, that won't go down without a fight, and I love that out of them. Uh, you, you Sometimes you want to see the Chiefs and you want to see a high-flying offense that's going to blow teams out of the water. Maybe not this week, but in general. Sometimes you just want to see a scrappy team that can run the ball uh, and that can just eke out wins. And that's what we saw this week against Ole Miss. Chase Garbers uh, looked better than ever throwing deep. I mean, in the first couple of games, it was kind of just like, just manage the game. Uh, Don't try to do too much. But in this game, 23 for 35, 357 yards passing and four touchdowns. Uh, Chase Garbers made the difference in this game, especially when the run game was stifled. It didn't have the same effect that it had the last couple of weeks. 60 yards on the ground uh, for the Golden Bears. Um, but it was Garbers who made the clutch throws 
who scored all the touchdowns for this team, or who threw up for all of the touchdowns for this team, um, made the difference. Now, of note, this is the first time that a team from the Pac-12 has gone into an SEC building, even though it was it was Oxford, Mississippi, but nevertheless, uh, still a, a an SEC opponent and won. Now, maybe that's a changing of the times. Maybe this is just a nice schedule, nice scheduling, um, piece of scheduling. But either way, uh, this Bears team went into SEC country and won, and that's not nothing. But now comes for Cal the turning point of their schedule. Because over the next few weeks, you've got Arizona State and Oregon. Arizona State, to me, a little bit of a trap game. Cal coming off of a win over Ole Miss. Arizona State coming off a loss against Colorado. Now Cal is ranked again, right? And, or Cal is further ranked 15 in the I still can't believe that. 15 in the country. And Arizona State's unranked. And this may feel... And you've got a Friday night home game. I mean, this, this feels like a trap game, right? Uh, but... And then after that, the week after that, you've got Oregon in Eugene. Now the last time... Uh, Cal was ranked this high. I think they lost to Oregon in, in like the game following. Uh, but if Cal can win these next two games, because in order for this Cal team to have a chance, like they may have a chance at the Rose Bowl, uh, even if they lose a game. But if they're ta- if we're talking about the college football playoff, which sounds unbelievably greedy, you gotta win out, right? And so this next these next few games against Arizona State and Oregon. Cal could very well go 0-2. I mean, the the teams they're playing are of the caliber that they very well could go 0-2. On the other hand, and on the other hand, if they win, and 0-2 would be a regression to the mean of sorts. If they go one, if they go 2-0, they're for real, right? They're legit. They'd probably be ranked like like something around 10th in the country. Uh, this would be a legit contender, and we'd have a lot more tension going into the last month or so, this month and a half of the season. If they go 1-1 one and one that, and, and may, may, maybe they lose to Oregon in a tight game, that would establish them as a, a conference contender, undoubtedly, uh, by, winning two, by winning a conference game, and establish that maybe this program can have success in the future uh, and build on the momentum of this year. But either way, I think these next two games are kind of a test a litmus test as far as what this Cal team will be able to do in the future. Um, and that's why I'm really excited for this Friday. Meanwhile, the Pac-12 just had all kinds of crazy this week. Uh, Arizona, so going into this week, the Pac-12 had three teams that were undefeated. Cal, Arizona State, and Washington State. Arizona State loses a thriller to Colorado in uh, Tempe. While Washington State loses not only the game, but a 32-point lead against UCLA at the Palouse. Their quarterback throws nine touchdowns and loses the game because UCLA scores 50 points in just under 20 minutes. And I don't even get how that's possible. Seven touchdowns, that's like a touchdown every two or three minutes. I mean, I, I didn't even watch most of this game, but it was unbelievable. And it's it's Pac-12 after dark at its finest, and this is why I think we we can't we can't quite leave this conference, despite all of its flaws, despite its lack of contenders. Uh, this is just 
so much fun. You don't know what you're going to get on a night-to-night basis. You might get a Big 12-style matchup or a Big 10-style matchup. Uh, you, you never know what you're going to get. And I think that's why it's so fun uh, for all of us. So with that, Cal is the only undefeated team left in the Pac-12, which I'm going to cherish this as long as I can uh, because it's probably going to come to an end in the next month. Um, it might come to an end this Friday, but we'll see, I guess. Uh, meanwhile, the other reason that this signified a kind of big-time college football week four, I've always said that week four is the start of the major college football schedule because we get these juicy in-conference matchups. Wisconsin destroyed Michigan 35-14. to Jonathan Taylor, man, the Wisconsin running back, uh, has been a, a Heisman candidate the last couple of years, but has never quite uh, lived up to the expectation. Um, and in this game, he had to leave with cramps midway through the second quarter, but by that point, I think he had something like 140 yards. And he had a 72-yard touchdown in particular that stood out to me takes the handoff, sees the gap is filled, shifts to the left, and then just bursts through the hole, and nobody can catch him. I mean, those two abilities are what defines a, a good running back, right? You'd be able to shift horizontally without losing momentum, be able to do it quickly, throw off the defense, and then once you're there, hit the hole, accelerate downfield. When you can run downhill like that, Getting, you know, it's not just the flashy runs that makes elite running backs elite. It's getting, you know, four or five yards out of a broken play. It's getting seven, eight yards out of a draw, right? If you can do those two things uh, effectively, it's easier said than done, but if you can do those two things effectively, that's what uh, makes you elite, and Jonathan Taylor's getting to that level. Uh, Meanwhile, the Michigan defense got beaten up, especially early on. Uh, and that's for for a team and for a league that kind of prides itself on being able to be hard nosed and intense uh, and not get bulldozed. That's exactly what happened to Michigan. Um, and it's not a good look for them going forward to start off 0 1 in the conference like this. And meanwhile, Michigan has a decision to make at the quarterback position. I mean, until the end of the game, really, Shea Patterson showed nothing. And. Dylan McCaffrey, I think, should be given a chance. Uh, he took a brutal hit in this game. Uh, but I, I think he should, he should be given a chance, you know. And meanwhile, it's, you don't want to overreact, right? It's, it's one loss. Michigan's now 2-1. and one. But a lot of time has been swirling, or a lot of rumors have been swirling around about Jim Harbaugh and what's going to happen to him. I mean, in his time at Michigan, he came in with such high expectations, right? It, it's partially unfair to him. I mean, his first couple of se- first, I think, three seasons, he went 10-3. and three. That's not a bad record. And in, and in the conference they're in, that's, that's pretty good. But to the extent that people expected him to make the playoff right away and they expect him to make the playoff every year and to beat Ohio State, which he hasn't yet done, he is on the hot seat. And... Michigan, the good thing for Michigan, despite this loss, is by virtue of their conference, which can be a blessing or a curse, they've got a chance to, uh, to redeem themselves. If you look at what they've got coming up, right, they're in conference schedule, tough as always, you know, Iowa, who's 14th in the country, Penn State, 12th in the country, Notre Dame, even after a loss to Georgia, which, uh, 10th in the country. 
Michigan State, their in-state rivals, 25th in the country, and Ohio State, 5th in the country. And you've got Maryland also, who's no give me. And so you've got a lot of teams you can prove yourself against. And I think if, I think if Jim Harbaugh finishes with an 8-5 and five record like last year, I mean, they're seriously going to look at replacing him. But um, it's going to come down to, does the board, the athletic director there, feel like they have a good replacement. And if they do, I think it, there's a serious possibility that Harbaugh gets canned. Um, but if not, uh, then no, we'll see. Uh, meanwhile, there was a couple of matchups in SEC territory uh, last week. Auburn and Texas A&M. Even in games or when he doesn't throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns, Bo Nix just continues to win. The Auburn quarterback heavily, heavily coveted coming out of high school where all he did was win Alabama State titles. He's starting to settle in in his role right now. He only threw for 100 yards in this game, only threw 20 passes, um, but seemed to still have command of what his team was trying to accomplish. And this game wasn't as close as the score indicated, uh, I don't think. And as long as Bo Nix continues to not make mistakes, he didn't throw an interception in this game, this Auburn team is going to be really good. And in the latest AP poll, uh, I think they were they were seventh. So they've got a lot of good things over in Auburn. Uh, for Texas A&M, Kellen Mond missed a lot of opportunities, overthrowing deep throws, etc., that caused him to lose this game or his team to lose this game. It wasn't that he had a super bad game in particular, 335 yards, two touchdowns, 31 for 49 passing. Um, but ultimately you need to be opportunistic against this Auburn defense, and they just weren't. Um, and this is the first team, I think, Texas A&M is, the first team who we thought might have a chance uh, to make the playoff, have their playoff hopes dashed. Um, and it's disappointing for the Aggies this early in the year, but and this was, gonna, and this was always going to be a kind of a turning point game, especially after they had that first loss to Clemson. They had to kind of know that Auburn's coming in uh, to College Station, and you're going to have to beat them if you want to actually make a serious run at this thing. Uh, because they, being in the SEC West, have a brutal schedule. And so maybe two losses was going to be enough if they lost to, say, you know, Alabama later on. But uh, that's just not what ended up happening. And the big game of that night, Georgia and Notre Dame. Georgia ended up uh, winning that ball game, 23 to 17. And I think the difference in this game was Notre Dame's offense just being unable to do anything. I mean, it was ultimately kind of their downfall in this game, getting stifled uh, for the big part of it. I mean, in the first and third quarter, they couldn't do anything. Um, and I think if you're not able to generate yards, get long drives, get your defense off the field, that's going to be a problem, and that's what's going to cause you to lose tight, intense games like this. I mean, because both of these defenses are really good. They were really good at getting pressure, forcing negative plays, getting teams behind the sticks. And if you can't establish a run game early, you know, make... They only had 46 yards rushing. If you can't establish that, if you can't bite into the defense a little bit, uh, you're going to have to play from behind, and that's what Notre Dame had to end up doing. 
I think it was really fun because it was one of the best atmospheres in college football uh, down there in Athens. I just love how SEC country just embraces it, has little pom-pom things, you know. Uh, and, and it's just a really fun environment that I sometimes wish I could be a part of. But uh, another side note from this game, back shoulder throw I think is the most beautiful throw in football. It's because I think a lot of the allure is a ti- is, it's such a timing route uh, that if you don't do it perfectly, it could be a pick if you miss the throw a little bit. Um, but when it looks good, it looks amazing because you get the throw off before the guy even turns. The guy turns, catches it right on the sideline. Ugh. Uh, it's it's amazing football, and I love watching it all the time. We've got a little bit of a lull in the schedule. Week 5 doesn't have too many good matchups if we take a look at it. Uh, their only real ranked matchups are between Virginia and Notre Dame uh, and USC and Washington. And neither of those are top 10 matchups or even top 15 matchups. Um, but as always, college football surprises us. I mean, UCF lost this week. For the first time in the regular season in, I think, three years. So, And they're still ranked, surprisingly. Uh, but we've there, there's still going to be some good matchups, and we'll be here to talk about it. All right, the NFL Week 3. Not much from the NFL this week. Uh, local Hour 49ers beat the Steelers 24-20. to They moved to 3-0 on the year for the first time since 1988. The Niners should not have won this game. It was so frustrating to watch early on. Their first four drive, or I think four of their first five drives resulted in turnovers, two of them while they were in Pittsburgh territory. And no team should win a game with five turnovers. Uh, that's just too many. Because football, you get what? Like 12 possessions a game normally? If you give five of them away, that's a significant despair. You should not be able to win, win, win that game. But the defense was saving, saved the day for the Niners. Getting stops, limiting teams. I just I talked about like five minutes ago how it's so important psychologically to limit three points instead of seven, and that ended up being the difference. I mean, this was a four-point win, and only giving up six points off of four turnovers in the early going, uh, it, it it I think boosted morale for the offense a little bit too. Like, hey, we can still do this. We're not. We don't have to be desperate. We don't have to change our flow or what we're doing. It's just six points. And the offense later on did show up and showed some good signs uh, going forward. The run game still is great. Getting five, six yards on first down, continuing to move the sticks. Uh, This run game has the potential to be really good. And once Tevin Coleman comes back, that adds some more speed to that lineup, and I like it. I think what Jimmy G did well in this game was he really shined on medium depth throws, throws from 8 to 15 yards, hitting guys in stride on third and long, uh, setting up uh, second and short situations, floating it over the top of the linebacker's head to a a slant, a a runner across the middle. Those types of throws I think he did really well, and I think that's what what allowed them to move quickly uh, down the field and get the offense going. I think if this Niners team is able to clean up the fundamentals, obviously the turnovers, but also penalties, uh, false starts, etc., this team has the potential to be really good and compete with the elite teams in the league because they haven't had exactly the toughest schedule so far. I mean, Tampa, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh without Big Ben and with a hobbled James Conner. 
They've, they're heading into a bye week now. Uh, they're feeling good. They're 3-0. and But the next few weeks, hopefully they can clean up before they get Cleveland uh, at home and the Rams on the road. Those are two tough matchups, particularly the Rams matchup, um, is going to be very, very difficult for this team, uh, especially on the offensive end, to see if they can hold up against that uh, vaunted Rams line. If they can clean up those fundamentals, uh, this team has the potential to beat those teams. Um, and I think these next few weeks, just like for the Bears, will determine how the Niners do the rest of the year. Uh, the Rams beat the Browns 20-13. to The Rams line was able to wreak havoc in this game um, and, and really limited the Browns early on. And the secondary just managed to hold up. <laughs> at the end, with the Browns marching, looking like they were going to score first and goal at the five, able to get four incompletions, uh, was the difference in this game. And... It's just a clutch Rams team that's been in these types of situations before and knows how to win. It's never easy to win on the road in the NFL, even if it's not an elite team. Uh, Getting this win for the Rams was big for them in the division. Also, the Bears beat the Redskins 31-15 on Monday Night Football. This Bears D is so good. I was playing against the Bears D in fantasy this week. And, whew, I honestly was kind of nervous. I was up like 40 going into the game, but I was kind of nervous for a little bit because they had like 25 points by like the middle of the second quarter. Uh, and I was, and they were on fire, uh, just jumping routes, getting pressure, uh, and forcing fumbles. They got tired toward the end uh, and gave up a couple of touchdowns and made this actually a little bit competitive. But I think part of that is complacency. Uh, being up, I mean, everyone says that they're okay, but it's it's not the same. It's just not the same. And I think that if given the opportunity to be intense for the whole game, they could. Uh, play a lot better than we saw in the fourth quarter of this game. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky looked good getting the offense going early. Uh, the offense has been a big question for this Bears team, especially since week one. Um, but Trubisky being accurate, getting the ball early, uh, has been or made a difference in this game, getting the team off to such a hard, hot start. And I don't know, it just seems like something's not right in Washington. I mean, the team just fundamentally, I mean, with Dan Snyder at the top, has not done very well. And if something doesn't change up top, I don't really see much happening uh, to to put this team in the right direction. I mean, they never uh, have seem to have the pieces to contend, particularly on offense. I like the Terry McCauley kid. Tried to trade for, I was thinking about asking to trade for him in fantasy the other day. Didn't end up doing so. Um, but... He's a nice spark on offense, but other than that, they don't really have much. Uh, Case Keenum's only going to take you so far, uh, especially this season. Okay, uh, quick take. Saquon could miss four to eight weeks due to the injury he suffered in the Giants game against Tampa. Now, this was a little bit overshadowed by the fact that Daniel Jones went out there and threw for uh, a few touchdowns and ran one in to win the game and complete a comeback, an 18-point comeback uh, for the Giants. And there's a lot of excitement over there in New York, but Saquon being out uh, is going to severely dampen what they're uh, able to do on offense over there. Because now that teams have seen Daniel Jones, they know how he uh, operates. 
they're going to come after him a lot more. And without that running back there to kind of carry the load, pull the defense in, run off play action. Uh, they've got Wayne Gallman, who's a reasonable substitute. He played well at Clemson, but um, it's not the same explosiveness you're going to get out of Saquon, that same north-south uh, style, right? And I think the difference is teams are going to be able to target Daniel Jones more, force him to get out of his element. Uh, and we, he's shown that he's adept at running and being a running quarterback, but when you have to do it all the time, if you look at guys like Cam Newton, uh, it's a lot more difficult and Lamar Jackson as well, and you're forced to be a bit more of a pocket passer. So Saquon, the Saquon injury is going to set the Giants back pretty far, and I think it's made the difference in the fact that uh, we can already count them out as... I mean, generally it's too early to count anyone out as contenders after week three, except for maybe like the Dolphins. Um, just because you never know, it's the NFL, there's a good amount of parity, but I think this injury is enough to count the Giants out, uh, probably out of contention. Um, I don't think, I, I'm not sure if I'm, unless I find out something I really like, I don't think I'm going to be really doing uh, off-topic over the next few weeks, partially because I've already got another podcast, which is all off-topic compared to sports. Uh, and so, uh, listen to that. But thank you so much uh, for listening to the podcast. That's going to be it for today. Uh, bit.ly slash thewongtakes. Email thewongtakes at gmail.com with questions, comments, and concerns. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, as always, and uh, I will see you next week.